What is prayer? In many ways, prayer is a simple thing to do. But sometimes we can have a limited view of what prayer actually is. Now, don't get me wrong. Prayer is a means of supplication and making requests to God. It's just that prayer is also more than that. Prayer is both talking to God and having a relationship with Him. Prayer is making yourself available to God and allowing Him to make Himself available to you. Prayer is a way to ask God for provision for tomorrow and a means by which He provides the sustenance we need for today. So we pray not to get our own way, but rather we pray to align ourselves to God's will. We pray not for things that might create independence from God, but rather we pray as an expression of dependence upon God. Yes, God loves to hear our prayers and requests. He listens to them, He delights in them, and He responds to them. It's just that prayer is also where we can confess our sins, praise His goodness, listen to His voice, and be reminded of truth. Prayer isn't just a way to ask for more fruit, but through prayer, we begin to bear more fruit. Prayer isn't just words spoken at specific times during the day. It's living with a mindset that allows God to transform you throughout all of your days. So don't think of prayer as just an activity done before meals or bedtime, but rather think of prayer as a way of life. Well, hello. Welcome to Belong Church. We're so glad that you're here with us for this journey. And it's almost through summer. I don't know about you, but it's been super duper hot where we're at. And just I can't wait for a little bit cooler weather and the way it always is. We want it cold when it's hot. And when it's cold, we want it to get warm again. And we're just never satisfied. But anyway, we're so glad that you're here with us. Today we have a message about the story of Daniel. And Daniel's one of the prominent um, prophets in the Old Testament, and we're going to read a lot about what his story is. We're going to skip through a whole lot of it, but if you will turn in your Bibles to the book of Daniel, we're going to start with verse 1, and I'm going to leave a whole lot out. I'm just telling you right away I'm leaving a whole lot out, but I'm hoping that I pique your interest enough that you want to go and read it. So starting with verse 1, it says, and it was the third year that Jehoiakim was the king of Judah, and Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem, and his army surrounded the city and attacked it. Now, we see that there's this attack that came from the outside, from this other country, the king of Babylon. They came, and they actually won, and they took all of the Hebrews into captivity, and they took them away, and they took over everything. And so now they're indoctrinating them, and just like any other siege, they think it's forever. They don't know how long it's going to be. Of course, we read after the fact, and we see how long it was. But they didn't know, and they're assuming this is it forever, so they even start trying to indoctrinate them and make them change. And so uh, there's this ability that uh, they wanted to see um, who was going to be the greatest. And we pick up in verse 17, and God gave knowledge and understanding to these three, four young men. So they're the cream of the crop, but they are actually slaves. They're the ones that have been pulled out, and, and they're, they're part of everybody that was grabbed, but here they are, and they're brought here. So they understood all kinds of writings and subjects, and Daniel could understand all kinds of dreams and visions. So here they are, 
And God has given them these great gifts and talents like every one of us has gifts and talents that God has given us. And, and here theirs are rising them to the top. And so verse 18 says, and the three years the king had set for their training ended. So he says, hey, listen, I'm going to have all of them come over here and you got to train them in our manners and our writings and all of our culture and you got to get them ready. And so they will be able to serve in the kingdom. So here we see that the three years ended and the chief official brought them to Nebuchadnezzar, who is the king. Verse 19, then the king talked to them and he didn't find anyone equal to Daniel and the other Hebrew children. You can read their names. I'm not going to try and pronounce them, so you can make fun of me. So they began to serve the king. So here's the four of them that are pulled out in Daniel and the three Hebrew children. Verse 20, he asked them for advice in matters that required wisdom and understanding. Now, isn't that amazing? Here they are, slaves in a foreign country, and yet they've been raised and given the local education for being Babylonians. And here they are now. The king is asking them for advice in matters of wisdom and understanding. And the king always found their answers to be the best. Other men in his kingdom claimed to get knowledge by using magic. So he had sorcerers. He had ones that were going out there and, and they were using all these crazy other things. But the answers it continues on says, of Daniel and his friends were 10 times better than theirs. So then the king had a dream. And in his dream, he was so troubled and he didn't know what it meant. So here in being a narcissistic man, he came and told everybody, not just the four Hebrew children, but all of the ones that do magic and sorcery and all this other stuff. He came to them and says, listen, if you're legit, you need to tell me, first of all, what my dream was, and then you got to interpret it. That is a really big ask if you if, if you're gonna be honest i mean think about it it's one thing for somebody to tell you what they dreamt it's one thing for them to try and describe it to you it's another thing for you to be then you could sit there and look at them and say oh well i think it means this and you kind of bs them a little bit if i could say it like that i probably shouldn't say that in church but you could do that you know you can kind of just make it up as you go along but if you say tell me what i dreamed and then interpret it there's a whole lot of fear and shaking going on. Look at verse 10. So all the sorcerers, now the, the four Hebrew children, including Daniel, had not been given this task by the king. But here's what, how the other ones answered. They answered the king, there's no one on earth who can do what you're asking. No king has ever asked for anything like that. Like, king, you, no one's ever done this before. You can't do that. And then they, here they're trying to keep their heads where it is on their shoulders and says, not even a king as great and mighty as you have asked for it. And those who get knowledge by using magic have never been asked to do what you are asking. And those who study the heavens haven't been asked to do it either. And they're making all these excuses like, it's too hard. There's no way we can do this. In fact, verse 11, it says, what you're asking is much too hard. No one can tell you what you dreamed except the gods. And they don't live around here. It says they don't live among human beings. And like, hey, they're not around here, so I can push it all off on them saying they're not around here, but they're the only ones that can do this. It is much too hard. Well, the king, again, being 
narcissistic and he's thinking it's all about him gets very angry and he goes why am i keeping you around if you can't answer this simple request that i have so then he commands for all of them to be rounded up including daniel and the three hebrew children and and has all of them come out and he is going to kill them he's taking their heads off he's getting rid of them once and for all now daniel they come to, get, to, to gather him and the four Hebrew children and, take, and the king's wishes are being carried out. And, and they come to Daniel and Daniel's like, what do you mean you're taking us to be executed? Why? I didn't do anything. And so they tell him what had happened in verse 16. And when Daniel heard that, what the king had said, he went to the king. Now the king had already told them that they were all to be executed. And here's Daniel's words. Now, but again, I want you to put yourself in the Bible and think about the predicament that Daniel's in. The executioners came knocking on his door. This is the end of the road. This is all there is. Today's your last day on this earth. And here he finds himself not knowing anything about this dream, not knowing that the king had even had a dream. He's now seeing himself in front of the king. He told the king, he would explain the dream to him, but he needed some time. Now, now I think there's just a part of him that's just human, like, just give me a little bit of time. I got to go pray. <laughs> give me a little bit of time, king. Don't cut my head off today. The, give me a little bit of time. Verse 17. Some of this just cracks me up. Then Daniel returned to his house, and he explained everything to his friend, the other three. Now, can you imagine that conversation? Hey, guys. We got to pray because we're about to die and we don't have nothing to do with this, but we've got to put our faith in God to come through with this answer. Verse 18, he asked them to pray that the God of heaven would give him mercy. Why did God give him mercy? He's about to die. If God didn't have mercy and give him the dream and this whole thing, then this is it. He asked for some more time. There's not a whole lot because the king's already pretty ticked off, all right? He wanted God to help him understand the mystery of the king's dream. Then he and his friends wouldn't be killed along with Babylon's other wise men. How many of you know that was probably some pretty fervent prayer service going on there with those four Hebrew children? They're really serious because this is a life and death situation. And yet many of us find ourselves in life and death situations or we have friends of ours or family of ours or people we know that we're standing in the gap for. And we have to pray with all seriousness and that's where they found themselves. They went back and David, I'm sorry, Daniel went back to him and he says this, verse 26. The king asked, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream? And can you tell me what it means? Here it is. That's what the king was asking for. Daniel replied, you have asked us to explain a mystery to you, but no wise man can do that. In other words, he's saying, me of myself, even as a position in your kingdom, as a wise man, someone you go to and you like my answers. We already saw that they were 10 times better than everybody else. He goes, no one can do that. And those who try to figure things out by using magic, they're not able to do it either. Can I tell you? King already knew this. 
It almost sounds like he's making an excuse for more time or trying to make the same excuses that everyone else did. But verse 28. But there is a God in heaven who can explain mysteries. King Nebuchadnezzar, he has shown you what is going to happen. And here is what you dreamt while you're lying in your bed. And here are the visions that passed through your mind. He went on to tell him every single thing. And then as he went on again, I told you, I'm not going to tell you the whole story. I'm encouraging to go and really wanting to make you think to go and read the whole story. Fabulous story. He went on to tell him what it meant. And it's this amazing turn of events because he told him exactly what he had dreamt. And then he told him what it meant. But not too long after that, then there was a, another situation where he wanted everybody to bow down and worship him. And I talked about that in a great deal in a message a couple of years ago called In the Fire. And you can find it on our podcast. You can go back if you want to listen to it. Where the three Hebrew children, Daniel wasn't involved with this one, but the three Hebrew children were caught up and thrown into the fiery furnace because they wouldn't bow down and worship King Nebuchadnezzar. But hear this great story of these children of Israel that are caught in their captivity and now they're risen up within the ranks and then this, this whole forced situation of being wise men and I mean at least their life is better than the ones that are out in forced labor. They have this greater life that's been given to them but now they're in the hot seat all the time. Nebuchadnezzar left it and left the scene and now in ver chapter 5 verse 29 we see there's another king and his name is Belshazzar and now he had had some situations that he asked for it again read the book it's amazing when we read the bible it says Daniel helped him out as well and then he commanded his servants to dress Daniel up in purple clothes which has always been the sign of royalty and so they did and they put a gold chain around his neck and he was made, look at this, the third highest ruler in the kingdom. So Belshazzar is number one, and there's somebody else, and then there's Daniel. I keep on wanting to say David, but it's Daniel. And here we see the next verse. And that very night, Belshazzar, the king of Babylon, was killed. You can read the story of what God gave him, a foreshadowing of what was going to happen. Again, go read the story. Verse 31, his kingdom was then given to Darius the Mede. And Darius was now 62 years old. So he was very, very young, let me say it that way. And from where I'm at in my station in life, 62 looks really young. I'm really happy about that side. Chapter 6, again, I know I'm going through a whole lot of scripture, but I'm trying to paint a picture. It pleased Darius, verse 1, to appoint 120 royal rulers over his entire kingdom. So here he comes in and he's now setting up his ruler. And I believe that he was probably the number two guy. I can't tell you that. But I figure he probably was and that's why the next spot slid down to him. Verse 2, and then he placed three leaders over them. And one of the leaders was Daniel. So now there's three guys that are over the 120 the, that are the ones who are ruling this whole kingdom, if you will. Verse 3. And Daniel did a better job than the other two. See, God's hand of favor. 
God's hand on him living out what God had purposed for him to do is just continuing to bring him to the top. His, he, was doing a, he did a better job than the other two leaders or any of the royal rulers. He was an unusually good and able man. So the king planned to make him, to put him, excuse me, in charge of the entire kingdom. In other words, the king is going to move him even over the other two where he's one of three. He's going to make him the supreme just under himself. And it became known. Verse 4, but the other two leaders and the royal, leader, royal rulers heard about it, so they looked for a reason to bring charges against Daniel. Man, we see scandal all throughout history. And here is a great story. And, and no matter which side you fall on politics right now, you see scandal on both sides of the fence. This is not anything out of the ordinary. This has been going on for years and years, and it'll be going on for years and years to come. Here it says, they tried to find something wrong with the way he ran the government, but they couldn't find it. And they weren't able to, look at that, they weren't able to. They couldn't find any fault in his work, and he could always be trusted. I mean, he was doing, he lived above reproach, and he did everything the right way. He even says, look at this, he never did anything wrong and he, was always a, he always did what he was supposed to do. Man, I don't know about you, but that couldn't describe me. I don't always do what I'm supposed to do. I would like for there not to be any fault in my work and that I would always be able to trust, be trusted and that I never did anything wrong, but I wish. Keep it on going there. That's an amazing thing to be said of Daniel. Verse 5, after they've been looking for everything, Finally, these men said, we want to bring charges against this man, Daniel. But it's almost impossible for us to come up with a reason to do it. It's like, man, we searched everywhere and we fell short. But if we find a reason, it will have to be in connection with the law of his God. In other words, we now have to look to his religion. We have to look to how he prays to God and how he has this connection with God. Verse 6. So the two leaders and the royal rulers, there's 120 of them, remember? So they're all conspiring against one person. The person who's about to be all their bosses, all right? Went as a group to the king, and they said, King Darius, now they're appealing to his ego. May you live forever. Wouldn't we all like to live forever? I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? Just say, hey, you're going to live forever. You're going to be the king forever. It's, just gonna, it's, it's all going to work out really good for you. Verse 7, all the royal leaders high officials and royal rulers, advisors and governors want to make a suggestion. We've agreed that you should give an order and you should make sure it's obeyed. That's hilarious. We have an order we'd like for you to make and then you should make sure everybody does it. Uh, talk about manipulation. Continuing on. Your majesty, here is the command you should make your people obey for the next 30 days. We just want 30 days. Why do they not want it forever? Because they just wanted to set a trap for Daniel. Let me tell you, I think it probably would have stepped on their toes as well. They just wanted it for 30 days. We just want to set the trap that we can catch him. Here it is. Don't let any of your people pray to any other God or human except to you. And if they do, throw them into the lion's den. Verse 8, now give the order and write it down. Look at this. 
in the law of the Medes. Now, where was King Darius from? He was from the Medes and the Persians. So we have this kingdom that's comprised of all these different things. So there's one law over here for the Medes. There's another law for the Persians. He's like, hey, write it down in both of these, and then it cannot be changed. And once you set that law in order, then you can't even change it. We'll see in a moment. So King Darius put the order into writing. See, they appealed to his ego and his vanity and got him to do this. They had, he had no idea it was a trap. Verse 10. Daniel found out that the king had signed the order. See, they didn't invite Daniel to that meeting. But in spite of that, he did as he always had done before. He went home to his upstairs room, and it has windows open towards Jerusalem. Now, time out, pause. He's not going out there and flaunting his relationship with God. He's not going out there and thumbing his nose at the ruler and everybody else. He went home upstairs. It's a private place. And he went to his room three times a day to pray. And he got down on his knees and he gave thanks to his God. See, Daniel had been at other places, just as he was, as we read earlier, where the king is about to cut all their heads off. He's about to deal with them very harshly and was not looking for anything favorable for Daniel. And God saved him. God came through for him. God, he knew who he was praying to and he had a personal, intimate relationship. And they saw him. So here we go. Verse 11. Some of the other royal officials went to where Daniel was staying. They knew this was the trap that they had laid for him. They climbed up, I believe, and probably were looking through the windows, and they saw him praying and asking God for help. So see, even Daniel at this place of high esteem, he never forgot to ask God for help. You and I need to ask God for help in our lives every day as well. But here he is in this difficult place where it is going to be a serious capital offense. So they went running to the king, verse 12. And they spoke to him about the royal order. Again, they're just like manipulating. They got all their words just laid out here. They said, your majesty, didn't you sign an official order? And didn't it say that for the next 30 days your people could pray only to you. They could not pray to anyone else, whether God or human being, and if they did, they would be thrown into the lion's den. The king answered, the order must be obeyed. It is what the law in the Medes of the, in the Persians requires, so it cannot be changed. Then they, verse 13, spoke to him again. Daniel, <laughs> look at this. He's one of the leaders. He's one of the top three leaders. Look at what, how they classify him. Talk about racism that's still here today. And this, he is one of the prisoners. No, he's not. He's one of the rulers. He's one of the three and about to be made number one of everybody that you're talking to. He's about to be all y'all's boss, and yet you're still seeing him as a prisoner. Someone in captivity. Daniel is one of the prisoners from Judah, and he doesn't pay any attention to you, your majesty. The king knew who Daniel was. He loved him. His, his counsel was better than everybody else's so much, so he's about to make him number one. Yet here they are putting him down. He doesn't obey 
the order that you, king, put into writing. And he still prays to his God three times a day. Look at this, verse 14. When the king heard, he was very upset. He wasn't upset with Daniel. He was upset that they tricked him. And he didn't want Daniel to be harmed in any way until sunset. He did everything he could to save him. Put that in today's context. He, he called all of his legal advisors. He called all the lawyers. He called all of his staff together like, how can we get around this? All the way up till the moment it was time to pay the piper. Verse 15, then the men went as a group to King Darius and they said to him, your majesty, remember that no order or command you give can be changed. That's what the law of the Medes and the Persian require. See, they backed him into the corner and now it's him or it's Daniel. So the king gave the order. Daniel was brought out and was thrown into the lion's den. Pause. Think about that. Here Daniel is. He's done everything the right way. He's served God. He's prayed faithfully. He's remained humble. And God has shown him great favor. And here he is now just for doing what he had always done and loving God. He's now thrown into the lion's den. Now, if you don't know about this time in history, they would have lions that they wouldn't feed, so they were ravenously hungry. And as their capital punishment, they would throw someone in there, and the lions would just tear them apart. It, you've, you've seen those fish that will go in those piranhas, and they'll just go in just like this flurry of, of everything going on, and that's what was going on with the lions. They would like jump over each other because they're so hungry. Daniel knew this. Undoubtedly, he'd seen people that were thrown to the lions and he knew what it was. And now he finds himself thrown in. Look at this. The king said to him, you always serve your God faithfully, so may he save you. The king isn't praying but he's showing his faith. We talked about faith means to be persuaded and to have your confidence in. He had confidence in God. And he's like, man, I hope he comes through for you. Verse 17, and a stone was brought and placed over the opening of the den. And then the king sealed it with his own special ring. And then it was also sealed with the rings of the other nobles. And there was nothing anyone could do to help Daniel. So the king had locked it so they couldn't get in and do something to him. And then they'd done it so the king couldn't get in there. He sealed in this place. Verse 18, the king returned to his palace and he didn't eat anything that night. He's just sick to his stomach. He didn't ask for anything to be brought up to him for his enjoyment. And he couldn't sleep. He is just tossing and turning, thinking about what's going on with this person. It's a terrible place that we find ourselves in today where people are in the hospital and going in for surgeries and different situations and they can't have anybody in there with them. Our daughter Jennifer just had um, oral surgery to have her four wisdom teeth taken out that last weekend. We could only take her as far as the door. And for her to tell us later that she got in there, she started crying because she was all alone. There's 
people with much worse situations, that they're in a, in a, in a ward somewhere and they're dying and they're, they're at the end of the road and they can't have their family in there with them. And that thought of, of being outside the place while my daughter's going through this, and, and the thought of someone at, at home knowing that their loved one is going through this difficult time in the hospital and they can't be there. Here this king is going through all of this drama inside of himself, all this trauma, and he can't even sleep. But as soon as the sun began to rise, verse 19, the king got up. He'd probably been laying there trying to sleep. He got up and he hurried to the lion's den. And I, and I have to tell you, I'm going into a lot of detail here. And I'm reading this, you know, line by line with this because I, I told some stories early on in our church history. And someone that was very close to me, is very close to me, I was talking about this and she came up to me and she goes, I feel so stupid because you talk about lion. Daniel in the lion's den, and you know the story, and I made reference to it in another message, and then I just went on. She goes, I feel so stupid. Who's Daniel? What's he doing in a lion's den? And I'm like, no, you're not the one who's stupid. It's me. I, I'm, I'm talking as if you know the entire Bible, and you're raised in church like I was, so I realize I have to break this down. I have to kind of paint the entire picture. As soon as the sun began to rise, the king got up, and he ran, I believe he ran full speed ahead, to the lion's den. Verse 20, and when he got near it, he called out to Daniel. His voice was filled with great concern. Can't you imagine? He's, he's saying, Daniel, are you there? But he's seen people get torn apart. Daniel, you serve the living God and you always serve him so faithfully. So has he been able to save you from the lion's? You know he's probably thought about that all night long. Thought about when he's there and how, and how he can't wait to call out to him. And he's hoping that there's a reply back in verse 21. And Daniel answered, your majesty. And I love this. Look at how well he's honoring the king. He could have said, listen, I served you faithfully all this time. You went ahead and threw me in here in any way. No, he still served him with honor and dignity. He said, your majesty... May you live forever. I love the respect he shows them. Verse 22, my God sent his angel and his angel shut up the mouths of the lions. Now, pause again. Think about that. Daniel not knowing how this is going to turn out. Thrown down into the lion's den expected I, I bet you the lions got up and maybe we're like approaching him and all of a sudden this angel from god shows up and they're all like backing up like oh no we're we're more afraid of that angel than we're hungry to eat you now we talked about a few weeks ago that when an angel shows up man it's it's something you want to get down and suck rug like you do, you do just want to stay like oh my gosh i'm so fearful went on to say and they, the lions, haven't hurt me at all. That's because I have not done anything wrong in God's sight. He's like, man, I'm living a pure life before God. I've never done anything wrong to you either, your majesty. Again, with respect. Verse 23, the king was filled with joy, and he ordered his servants to lift Daniel out of the den, and so they did. And they didn't see even any wounds on him. There wasn't even any close calls. That's because he had trusted in his God. But look at this. Then the king gave another order. 
The men who had said but such bad things about Daniel were then brought in. And they were thrown into the lion's den, and so were their wives and their children. See, we saw last week how in that time frame, way back then, that it wasn't just your decisions as the head of the household, but it also affected your spouse, your wife, and your children. They didn't have anything to do with them, but they were thrown in as well. And before they hit the bottom of the den, the lions attacked them. And that fury of, of just de- devouring them. And the lions crushed all of their bones. Now some sanctified reasoning doesn't tell us any more than what we just read there. But it said there were three rulers. Daniel was one, and there was two others, and there were 120. It said all of them went to the king. So did he throw 120 plus the two, 122 people in there? and their wives, and their children. That's like 500, 600 people thrown in there. And it said, and the lions attacked all of them and crushed all their bones before they even hit the bottom. And it's, it gives me no pleasure to read that part of it, but I think God included that part because we didn't want to say, oh, they weren't hungry. This wasn't a natural this wasn't an actual miracle. This was just natural. They, they weren't hungry. They'd already been fed. No, they were very hungry. God had shut their mouths. Fast forward. Daniel's still in a place of high leadership. And he's, he's asking God for his country and for, and for them to be led out of captivity. And so he starts praying and he's asking God. And, and, the, and before chapter 10, he gives this whole thing. And I encourage you, it's a great thing. We'll be looking at it during 21 days of prayer. But he prays for 21 days and he talks about how he's sinned and his nation has sinned. And we've made all these bad decisions and Many of us can find ourselves in that same place, and it'd be very healthy for us to do that. Verse 2 of chapter 10, it says, And at that time, I, Daniel, was very sad for three weeks, for 21 days. And I didn't eat any rich food, and no meat or wine touched my lips, and I didn't use any lotions at all until the three weeks were over. For 21 days, he'd been praying and asking God for an answer. Then in verse 10, he gets touched by an angel a hand touched me and it pulled me up on my hands and knees in other words he was prostrate right before the lord he was all the way down and the angel touched him and pulled him up to he's just on his hands and knees and i began to tremble with fear an angel showed up in a lion's den he should be okay with angels and yet it's still such a fear of awe look at verse 11 then the man said to him daniel You are highly respected. Man, that's awesome. That's just awesome that God's description of Daniel is you're highly respected. Think carefully about what I'm going to say to you and stand up. God has sent me to you. And when he said that, I trembled as I stood up. Verse 12. He continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. You decided to get more understanding. In other words, you went after God asking him for something for 21 days. And you made yourself humbled as you worshiped your God. You weren't up there throwing out your chest and saying how great you are. You humbled yourself before God. And since the first day you did those things, your words were heard. And I've come to give you an answer. Verse 
13. But the prince of Persia, this is spiritual warfare now. This is not the actual. This is like talking about the demonic world. Opposed me for 21 days. Then Michael, the archangel, came to help me. And he was one of the leaders of the angels. And he helped me win the battle over the king of Persia. Verse 14. But now I've come to explain to you the vision. I will tell you what will happen to your people. And the vision shows what will take place in the days to come. And while he was telling me these things, I bowed my face towards the ground and I wasn't able to speak. I think it's interesting that this is the message that I got right before we go into 21 days of prayer. And, and I talked about this last week that it's going to be August the 2nd through the 22nd. And I encourage every one of you to participate. And maybe you've never done that before. Maybe it sounds so foreign to you. But I encourage you to do it. We'll, we'll meet here. You'll get the same. You'll see the same thing. It's going to be the same background. We'll have the, the background. We'll say pray first, but it'll be right up there. And, and you'll see. It, an hour will go by so quickly, and it's all formulated. We have a prayer guide that if you don't have it, you can download it, but you can also uh, email us, and we'll get it out. You can have it even before you do it. Just let us know. You just have to contact us and let us know. But this is not prayer and fasting, but fasting is actually optional, and Pastor Chris Hodges is actually calling on churches to actually add fasting this year. And I mentioned last year it's not fasting. It's feasting. But this year he says, listen, with everything that's going on in our country, it would be very good for us as Christians to rise up and not only pray, but also fast. But that's optional. But I encourage you to take that journey with us. And it'll be every morning from 6 o'clock to 7, Central uh, Standard Time. And then it'll be up there for 24 hours. We'll do it every day. And on Saturdays, it'll be at 8 o'clock. And then Sunday will be the service. But I encourage you to make the time to do like Daniel did and create intentionality for what you're going to pray for. But now I want you to look at the life of Daniel. He was thankful in every situation. He was thankful to the king, the different kings. All throughout the book of Daniel, you see a different king, and he was always respectful and thankful. But he was always surrounded with conflict. He always had difficulty that was with him everywhere. King David in Psalm 23, we just looked at this real recently. He's there. He says, God is there with me even when I'm surrounded by my enemies. He takes time out to prepare me a meal, a feast, a seven-course meal, one of the translations said. So can I tell you like this, the life of Daniel, the life of David, the life that we all have, each one, we're not thankful for going through a difficulty. We're not happy that we're going through the difficulty. It isn't that, wow, I got another challenge going on. David and Daniel's going like, I'm going to get thrown to the lions. Then, man, I'm so thankful. No, can I tell you like this? We're thankful for who is with us going through the difficulty. See, when you go through difficulty like we just saw, all the different things that Daniel went through, and I went through them on purpose in great detail, and my time is actually way beyond what I wanted to normally be. See, all the situations that Daniel went through, the situations that we go through, that isn't what we're supposed to be thankful for. But we're supposed to be full of thanks for who is with us 
going through the difficulty. James chapter 1 says, My brothers and sisters, you will face all kinds of trouble. And when you do, think of it as pure joy. In other words, be thankful. Be happy. Not again because you're going through your thing, but because you know that God's there with you. Verse 3, your faith or your being confident, your being persuaded will be tested. Do you really believe this? And you know when this happens, it will produce in you the strength to continue. Why? Because God's there with you. You're going to be strengthened because you realize that when I'm weak, he's strong. Verse 4, and you must allow his strength to finish its work. Then you will be able to do, be all that you should be, and you will have everything you need. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at Jesus being tempted, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit and des- descended like a dove, and right after he'd been baptized, and, and then the, he was taken out, led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We're all tempted, but can I tell you this? Real temptation isn't the thing. Real temptation isn't the thing that you're being tempted with because we all face a different type of temptation. For some, it may be overeating. For some people, it may be sexual sin. It could be um, gambling. It could be money. It could be all. all, all. See, the thing I want to suggest to you isn't the real temptation. See, the the. The devil, the enemy, the one who's going to come to try and take you away isn't about getting you necessarily just addicted to something or to be falling down because of something. Here's the big point. If you're taking notes, write this down. The real temptation is that God, they want to get you to walk away from God. It is the temptation to say, God, you have left me because I'm going through difficulty. See, Daniel could have been justified by anybody's standards to say, look, man, you, you did all these things right, and yet you guys were sold into slavery. Your whole nation was surrounded and you lost. Now you were selected and, and you just had a difficult time. They came to kill you and you, you saved not only yourself, but all the other people who were sorcerers and mad magicians and doing all this stuff that we don't believe in. The temptation, what the devil really wants is for every one of us to walk away from God. But I just told you the strength isn't what you're going through. It is that who is going through it with you. Please bow your heads. See, Daniel went through some testings and we go through some testings. He prayed and waited for God to have an answered prayer. And I encourage you to start making your list of what you want to ask God for during 21 days of prayer. And it may be the same thing you asked last time and the time before. That's fine. We're going to keep asking. We saw that Daniel prayed for 21 days and there wasn't an answer because there was warfare going on in heaven. We see that Daniel continued in the face of opposition and even certain death. His relationship with God enabled him to go through. So where do you find yourself today? Right now. I want to encourage you to make today your day. Give God a try. Invite Him in. Give up doing it your way or 
Can I say it like this? Surrender. I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, right now I choose to give up doing things my way. I surrender my life to you. I ask you to forgive me for every time I've missed it. And I receive your new life. Thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Father, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe they prayed it many times before and they're coming back to you. Lord, I pray that you would give all of us the strength to recognize that when we have difficulties, even as it says in James that we're to count it all joy or pure joy, not because we're going through difficulties, but because you're with us through everything, even a lion's den, as we see Daniel. Father, we give all this to you in Jesus' name. I want to ask you if you made that prayer with us and you made that decision for your first time, maybe you're coming back to God, I want you to take the next step, and that's simply to text the word CONNECT to 469-289-1114. And there's no commitment. There's nothing going to be required of you. It's just our text communication. So we can let you know what your next steps are if you'd like to do that. And I encourage you to let us know your testimonies. I hear a lot of them during the week when I talk to people one-on-one. But we'd love to hear your story. Please send us an email and let us know what it is. And you'll see ways to do that at the end. And I want you to invite somebody to take this journey with us. And I challenge you right now to find, think of two or three people, maybe even five people, to, to copy this URL to and send and say, hey, listen, I want you to take this journey with me. Let's close in prayer. Father, I just thank you for everyone that is taking this journey with us, that is part of Belong Church, or maybe they're still just checking it out. Father, I speak your blessings upon them. Lord, that their lives are going to continue to be enriched, Lord, and their eyes from this message will be opened that not the difficulties that are going on are for them, but, Lord, that you're there with them in the storm. Father, I speak a blessing over everyone that's taken this journey with us. And, Lord, I speak a blessing over everyone who paid their tithes and their offerings this week. And, Lord, those who are supporting this church, Lord, we give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 